but I don't I really don't have any regrets I really don't I've I've lived exactly how I've wanted to I've tried my hardest every single time I didn't win the matches that maybe I should have always won or but I really gave it my all so that for me is enough Hi, Jonathan. Hi. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, yes. Hello, everybody. We're coming to you from two different locations for the first time, second time. I don't remember. Well, yeah, the first time we were tried to record and it just did not work at all. We actually had to scrap an entire episode. It was heartbreaking. Okay. So long story short, I'm here in Toronto. Jonathan is in Charleston, South Carolina at the Volvo Car Open. I sure am, and I'm. I've been having a whirlwind first thirty hours of being <laughs> in Charleston. It's been it's been crazy. So, um, what, like, what are your impressions so far? What's the the venue like? What's the weather like? I can only compare it to the other tournaments that I've been to, being Toronto, Montreal, and Cincinnati, and it's entirely different from the others in that it's. It's a small town, a small historic town in southern United States. Like, I've never spent time in any of the Carolinas. Right. right? So this is totally different. Uh, taking in all the accents is different. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like what white people must feel like in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, there are many different types of southern accents, as it turns out. And oh. quite literally, sometimes... People are talking to me, and I'm like, I have no idea what you just said to me. <laughs> are you planning on doing an ethnography of Southern accents? No, that's up your alley. <laughs> right. Um, what I did not know about the Charleston tournament site is that they have an Althea Gibson court. They do. Because you posted a picture on the BodyServe Instagram yesterday, and I was like, whoa. It's, uh, you can almost feel the history there. Mm. It's crazy. Althea was from South Carolina, and so this is her home state. And the court is toward the far back of the, the grounds. And it's, I don't know, it's intimate. Everything here is intimate as far as the courts go. But this just has a, a, a this just has a special look and feel to it mm. that fit the, the title of the court. And it looks like you can see the ocean from the court. You can. Is the uh, is the site like right on the water? Well, it's on Daniel Island, which is a t I believe it's a tiny island onto itself, and so there's water all around. Okay. Now, have you gotten a chance to sample the food? That's what's usually of most interest to me when I'm going to a tournament. Well, there was a there's a bacon food truck. Okay. Yeah, I like it. Sells, <laughs> sells uh, sandwiches, burgers, everything with a whole lot of bacon, and then there's a mac and cheese truck which I had today. I must say I liked it. I would have loved it if I had only paid, say, five to eight bucks for it. Mm -hmm. But $20, including tip, was a bit much. Tw for like, for mac and cheese? Yeah, some chicken fingers cut up on top of mac and cheese, which was exquisite. <laughs> but 
it was a one-time thing. Put mm-hmm. it that way. Yeah. Who could, who could afford to have that every day? Uh, not freelance journalists. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so are we going to be talking about Miami at all? Or do you want to save that for the end of the episode? I don't know. We haven't really had much time to talk about the format I know. of this. We're just winging it. That's okay. Well, yeah. Why don't we just go over Miami quickly? So I don't know if you actually got a chance to really watch any of it because you were traveling pretty much all day Saturday and Sunday, I'm sure you were busy as well, right? Yeah, I could have watched it in the in the press room, but did you, it just seemed like such a total waste of time to be sitting in the press room while everything else was going on. Yeah, on your <laughs> first day another, there, right? Yeah, and to, to be watching another Fidel, which felt like it was always going to be going in one direction. Hmm. You know, um, I actually, I felt very optimistic before the match because I just thought that Nadal is such a fierce competitor that he would have kind of figured it out. You know, he's an intelligent player and he's somebody who who doesn't have a mental disadvantage against Federer, except for, you know, maybe these past three or, f- well, now four meetings. And has that been enough to create a mental disadvantage? Because players who are as great as Federer, they don't need much to then grab that kind of mental stranglehold over somebody. Especially when he's been starved for so long against Rafa. Right. <laughs> yeah, like he's going to take as many W's as he can and try to yeah. to make up for that kind of lopsided head-to-head, right? And, you know, hardcore has always been... I don't want to say the equalizing factor because it's not like all their matches have come on clay, but it's the surface where Roger stands a better chance to beat Rafa. Oh yeah. It just doesn't feel like Rafa is all the way all the way back yet. The right. scoreline and his play in the first set showed that he was closer, at least. The first set was very tight. I mean in the in the very first game, Roger served came close to being broken. You know, the serve just wasn't popping yet. He was making some easy errors and from the first game it was like wow you know Rafa is here to play and I felt like he's gonna shut up this crowd pretty fast and unfortunately that didn't happen Uh, but the first set altogether was very close it was well played high quality but Federer at this level if he breaks you he's probably going to serve out the set easily and that's that's just what happened I mean, it was a 6-3 scoreline in the first set, and I don't think that was indicative of the level of play. Well, it was just one break, right? Yeah, just one break, and then he served it out. Midway through the second set, I kind of regretted my decision to stay home and watch it. And What were you going to do on a Sunday afternoon? Well, I'll tell you. It was so nice to have the day off for once. I went to get coffee. I had a little, a nice muffin. We have a new coffee roaster and cafe in our neighborhood. Did you know that? Uh, No, I did not. Uh Uh-huh. So I was just going to enjoy my Sunday. I was actually thinking about driving all the way down to work to go to the gym, but I did not because I'm lazy (laughs) Uh, because my gym is at where I work, you know? Uh Uh-huh. But getting back to the match, it was actually kind of depressing, to be totally honest, because my view of it is a little more pessimistic than yours, I know. It just felt like Rafa didn't really have the answers when he needed it. And he seemed like he's a step slow from his peak. I mean, obviously, this is not peak Rafa, right? 
he's still playing at a very high level, but it just seemed like he didn't have the reserves to draw on when he really needed it against Federer. Um, I think a telltale sign is that he didn't seem like super confident in his forehand. And I don't, I mean, his backhand was actually working quite well. Like his cross court backhand was a really good shot throughout the match, which is odd, right? Like you expect his forehand to dominate. Um, and I think what I traditionally that's been the case, but the shot that's been working most consistently for Rafa of late has been the backhand. Right. I think I just expected that when Roger comes to the net, that Rafa would come up with passes more often because that has been their dynamic in the past, right? And if you want, you know, if there's anyone at the back of the court that can pass Federer at the net, it's him and making, you know, coming up with these really brilliant dipping shots, right? And so that just wasn't really there. But Federer is doing, he's riding a serious high right now. Yes. Clearly. And he's revamped his game in ways that are new to Rafa and other people he's playing because it's not just Rafa who is beating at the moment. He's beating everybody. I mean, Murray is out fine. Djokovic mm-hmm. hasn't been at his best for a while. So maybe there's a bit of a vacuum for him to be having these results. Oh, yeah. There, yeah. There's a lot of we don't know about what exactly is going on. Clearly part of it has to do with some seriously good play from Roger. And when he's that confident and uber aggressive like he has been it takes away a lot of time from Rafa and that's what in my opinion makes him look slower because the way he played against Fonini in the semi-final granted Fonini had pretty much nothing but we see glimpses of Rafa looking damn near unplayable right yeah then you you what you're talking about knows then you go up against Roger and you're you have high hopes but I feel that a lot of that regression has to do with the elevated level of, Ro- of Roger's play. Yeah. Personally. I mean, Roger's yeah. taking taking away so much time from his opponents. He is playing so, so aggressively, coming to the net very fluidly, and at times it looks like video game tennis, right? You wonder if he's ever going to miss again <laughs> at certain stretches of the match. And it's like you used to be able to rely on a lot of shanks post 30 Federer. You could rely on a lot of mishits off his backhand, especially. And it's just not happening. No, he's not. He's not missing <laughs> and not missing in important situations. It's like when he was able to come back from three, one down in that fifth set in Australia, that was that mm. like he, it was like some serious gummy bear juice for him. <laughs> and he's still, he's still powered up. What is what is this gummy berry juice? Is this like go go juice from Honey Boo Boo? No, it's from Gummy Bears, the cartoon. Little bears they drink their gummy berry juice and they're able to bounce around and do everything. Oh, I'm not hinting at any kind of illicit like drugs here. Yeah, I know, I know, because we're not messy like that. No, but my point is, when Roger is taking away that much time from his opponents. Rafa is a type of player who can be affected by that. Right. In that his game becomes more negative. It seems sometimes he has... Like more reactive? Yes. He has to make a conscious effort to be as aggressive as possible. Mm -hmm. And then when you have to make those kinds of adjustments to play against somebody like Roger who's not missing, who is that aggressive, your margin in your own game is so razor thin to be able to pull that off for two sets. 
So Rafa is just going to have to come up with another game plan. Right. Or hope that uh, the clay court season is a bit of a neutralizer. His own gummy berry juice. Right. Like, well, Roger actually said that he was only playing, planning on playing the French. Yeah, so he says. And he also threw a little bone at Rafa and said, oh, you know, you'll be beating me all over the place on clay, which is kind of like, oh, thanks, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a little, don't you think it's a little patronizing? It is, because it's not like Rafa wasn't beating him on other surfaces prior <laughs> no. to this little stretch, right? Like, we have the the teary evidence from 2009 Australia, and we also have the 2008 Wimbledon final. Right. So, you know, I mean, so the, sometimes Roger says stuff that he thinks it's the most generous, nice thing that you could say, and gracious thing you could say to somebody in that situation, and it just falls flat. Yeah. You know, that, that is his want. I don't think it's malicious at all. It just comes off poorer sometimes. And Rafa is, is the kind of person who's going to smile and do and say all the right things in these situations. Plus, these two have a genuine relationship. I don't, it would have to be some really big beef for them to not have genuine feelings toward each other at this point. Oh, yeah. But. There were times in Martina and Chrissy's relationship where they could no longer be friends. You know, like they had to take a break from being friendly with each other because the competition got too serious. It's it's almost like you you care for each other and then you come back to each other when the career is (laughs) over. You know what I mean? But that's not where these two are right now as well. Like they're both far exceeding expectations for 2017 right it just sucks for rafa that he isn't doing even better because of roger right agreed they're both having fantastic years yes he's beaten roger's beaten rafa three times but two of those have come in a final one in a grand slam final and rafa's also made the final in acapulco so compared to where he's come from and compared to fed who had all those months off they'd both be happy Mm. and so I don't think this is a time for them to be like, well, I can't be around you. We can't be friends right now because my game is <laughs> suffering. You know, I think there's still a lot of good feeling about their respective places at the moment. Yeah, probably. But I mean, any tournament where Andy or Novak is not there has to be seen as an opportunity. And for Rafa, I don't know if he sees it this way, but it could be seen as a, a missed opportunity. I'm sure he would. Mm. It's his fourth final in Miami, or fifth. He makes one every three years. So 05, 08, 11, 14, and 17, fifth. Oh, it's his fifth how do you final. know that? <laughs> <laughs> fifth final in Miami. And so, yeah, he'll be a little bit salty about losing. But again, at the start of the year, even with Novak and Andy not in the fields, it wasn't a guarantee on January 1st, that Roger and Rafa would be the ones to be in the final four every single tournament. No, I don't certainly think. not. No. Anyway. So on the women's side, we have another perennial finalist in Caroline Wozniacki. Yes. She has been having a, a year that definitely exceeded my expectations. And not just a year this year, a continuation from the last fall. Right. Uh, Starting I'm, with the US Open, really. With the US Open, um, she won Tokyo, right? That was the yep. final she played against Osaka. Mm-hmm. Uh, like she's have been having a great run. And unfortunately, I think she just keeps running into 
players who are are just on a roll. <laughs> of course, she's she's still vulnerable to power hitters, right? Like that's not going to change. Well, yes and no. I mean, she's still able to beat Madison Keys. Granted, Keys is coming back. Mm. Like she's a type of counter puncher that can give those players trouble, but it's also the type of player who can like blow her off the court, right? Right. Which is why she's <laughs> like what zero and seven against Venus. I know, which is a, like a really surprising stat to me, right? Because that's a type of player who could give Venus some trouble in the past. <laughs> yes, theoretically, yes. She's a bit of a Cinderella at this point, right? Because she's been playing so well and making finals. This is her third big final that she's lost this year. And now in what? That was Miami. And then she lost in Doha and Dubai. Mm-hmm. If she had won all three... Like, whoa. <laughs> right. I mean, it's still great, but this is this is some kind of resurgent Wozniacki. I mean, she beat Pliskova at this tournament. Man, Pliskova, it's like every time she's in a tournament, you expect her to dominate. And it's just really slow and steady progress for her. Yeah, because she says that she's not playing her best tennis yet. <laughs> well, which I certainly believe. She's not playing her best tennis. Her best tennis is fearsome. But Joanna Conta, she gets the biggest win of her career, and she's up to number seven in the world. Yeah, I think it's time for us to start seeing her as as the real thing. I agree. I think her well, her performance in Australia was striking fear into a lot of people, if you'll remember, because she was in Serena's uh, quarter. And, I mean, Serena it- did deal with her, in a fairly undramatic way, but she was playing some really dominant tennis up until that point. And she didn't play badly in that match against Serena either. No, it's just that Serena is Serena. She was pretty determined to win that tournament, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And we know about Kanta's record on hard courts now for much of the last year and a half. It's been one of the best on tour. Her record, not so much on clay, and she's subsequently pulled out of Charleston, citing a shoulder injury and general sickness that she was feeling toward the end of Miami. She did show up for her press commitments anyway. She was there today. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she will not be playing in Charleston. And so her intentions to improve on clay will have to wait a little bit. But the real story from Miami for me, at least, <laughs> uh, was Miss Venus Ebony Star Williams, who made the semifinals, playing in front of her hometown crowd, as well as her daddy. Richard Williams was in attendance, wearing his sombrero hat. <laughs> or his farmer hat. What what kind of hat is that? It's a straw hat. A yeah, wide brim. I don't know, hat. a straw hat. As you probably know, he had a stroke last year, and he's been away from the circuit for a long time. And Venus was just overjoyed that he was there. She talked about him a lot in her interviews and press conferences. She said her father's one of the loves of her life. So I think it's really important for her to uh, to do her best when her dad's there. It means a lot to her. I asked her about that today. Yeah. Am I giving something away? <laughs> uh, well, it's, our our listeners will hear that very shortly. Venus beats Kerber which is no small feat, the current world number one, somebody who's given her fits in the past insofar as beating her on really big stages. And 
that was coming after she beat Svetlana Kuznetsova in the fourth round. Mm -hmm. So after having gone, what was it, something like 16 months without beating a top 10 player, this ridiculous uh, streak that people were talking about online. Right. I think we and, talked about Well, we mentioned episode. it too. To be fair, we said if this were any other player, we would probably be talking about it. Yes, but then you look more closely and then you see that, yes, it spans that long period of time, but it's only four matches. She had lost four matches during that time, mm. which is not, it's not a big deal, right? I feel like it's, it's, it's something to, to footnote, but not something to headline. Okay. And so Venus put that well away in Miami because she beat Kuznetsova in straight sets and then she beat Kerber in straight sets. Both top 10 players won the, the world number one before going on to lose to Kanta in the semifinals. Man, that performance against Kerber was really special. It was like all of Venus's experience was just on display. It makes you wonder, like, what can she do given the right draw at Wimbledon, which is where I keep coming back to every year now. Right. <laughs> I mean, I guess not, even at not even at Wimbledon, because she made the Australian Open final against Serena. Had it been somebody else on the other side of the draw, who would she have won the tournament? We know at this point that she's done really well in Grand Slams the last couple of years, right? It's one of the best slam records on tour. But in addition to that, she's had to play Serena so many times as the losing player in those slams. Yeah. So not only has she done well, but it could have been so much better. She just seems so intent on just sopping up everything that's left in her career and just enjoying it as right. much as possible and making sure when she says she's in Miami, she said, I'm going to leave my blood, sweat, guts and tears on the court. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> what he's going to do. Like there will be no wondering what if when Venus is done mm. with this last of her career. And I do want to uh, offer a retraction from the previous episode. You caught me off guard with that quiz when you asked me what was my favorite Venus match. Okay. Upon reflection, it is her sending back Coco Vandemort to when <laughs> to when she came from when she came in Australia uh, at the Australian Open in the semifinal because Venus going down losing that first set in that semifinal with Coco playing that well is like well wow this could really be life-shattering right now <laughs> for this to happen and it was it was a thing of beauty so that is what is my favorite venus match that is such a good choice <laughs> now the big news for us well for for you and me is that you actually had the chance to see the queen and speak to the queen in the flesh today like yeah are you dead how are you not dead I was fine in the moment and for like the hour or two afterward. And then I started to feel a little bit decentered. <laughs> <laughs> because in addition to having that happen, I think I needed to go like lock myself in a quiet space for like two hours and just maybe like have a few drinks. Mm. Like being around people and trying to function as press and, you know, like the nitty gritty parts, going to press conferences. It, converting the audio files to mp3 to then send them to you so that you have them for the podcast tonight getting my general day in order and planning it and, and carrying it out was exceedingly difficult and, and rattling mm. after and you have to sort of maintain 
some professional decorum, right? When you're you're around all these people. Oh yeah, I and mean, I was the picture of professional with Venus. <laughs> I know. I've heard the interview. I know. <laughs> so yeah, so it's it was similar to you asked me before about the ways in which the tournament's different from others I've been to. The Monday of both Charleston and Cincinnati, where the two tournaments have done press for now, where they do the roundtable interviews with the top eight seeds. It was very similar, only that this one was outdoors, as opposed to indoors in Cincinnati. And at this one, there are multiple different media stations that are set up. In Cincinnati, the player just comes in, does the roundtable, and leaves. Here, there's the credentialed press area, you know, the written like what the 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 print journalists yeah. if you want to call them that. and then there's Sloan who is there who is doing her tennis channel stuff and then there's the tournament the actual Volvo Open um, media people they get to do their own segment with these top eight seeds get their own money's worth of press from them so there's about three or four different stops that they have to make so they kind of came in 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 bunches. So Madison was the first to arrive. We were all just sitting there and she just shows up like, hey, and just sits down. So like, you ready? Like, that's it. Mm. You know, there was no introduction. She just came out of nowhere, sat down at the round table and just started, you know, talking with us. We actually got like 17 minutes from Madison, which was much longer than anybody else because she was the earliest and nobody else was showing up. But by the time <laughs> the others started rolling in, uh, Madison left and then I turned my head and then I turned back and then there's Vina sitting two seats away from me. And I was like, uh, okay, I guess this is happening. Because we didn't know the order in which the players were coming in and they weren't being announced. They were just, you know, whenever they show up, they show up. And Venus looked much thinner than I expected, much taller. Mm. You know, those were my initial uh, reactions. And she was wearing an 11 hat, a cap, like a baseball cap, like trucker style. <laughs> and very casual. And uh, she just answered all the questions as engagingly as one would hope for. It was it was really great. I was able to ask her three questions. That's amazing. And Harold was there, right? Yes, I didn't know until it was over because Venus got up and then she was like, "Where's where's where's Harold?" <laughs> <laughs> and I look over and Harold apparently has been on the ground by a couple of the other conference tables off to the left, and he's just walking around. And then Venus walks off. And I guess it's just assumed that Harold will follow, which he eventually did. And then eventually <laughs> she's standing up doing TV press, TV interviews on the lawn. And Harold is like 20 feet behind, just sitting down watching mom. <laughs> like he He's used to this by now. Yeah. Right? He's very well trained as to how to be Venus Williams's dog while she's working. And I also saw Venus stoop down and pick up Harold's poop today. With a wow. Wow. She's so down to earth. Right. She came prepared to pick up Harold's poop, and she did. That's that's the important stuff that y'all want to hear, right? <laughs> that's what I want to know. <laughs> so without further ado, we are going to give you a bit of Venus's all-access hour. Venus, this always seems like a special tournament to you coming down to Charleston. Tell us about that. I love it here. I, I come here as much as I can, and um, I think it's been uh, is it three years in a row now. Three? At least. Uh, so it's it's fun to play in the States too. There's not as many opportunities as there used to be. So it's nice to be at home and the home crowd. So I, I relish that moment. 
Are you still doing this? <laughs> I'm crazy. <laughs> you must be crazy. The travel say... and everything else. When you, the deeper you make it in these tournaments, the more it affects yeah. your body, obviously. So you gotta have some. Yeah. What's, your, what's your secret? Yeah, there honestly, you go. just go to the gym. <laughs> that helps a lot, but I try to plan a schedule that makes sense, and um, I feel pretty good. So I think that's helpful for the most part. I'm, I'm pretty healthy. I don't really have like injuries that are, you know, terrible, terrible, terrible. Is it flattering to you that all the other players are trying to figure out what your secret is? I don't think they are, but, uh, but thank you for saying that. I think that they probably have a long way to go until they're 36, so they're probably not even thinking that that's even going to happen to them yet. I remember those. Like a few years ago, you'd be yeah. playing at this level. Yeah. I, mean, I definitely believe in myself. That's one thing that I do believe in. And if I'm on tour, I feel like I'm here because I feel like I can play at that level. If I'm not here, it means that you know the confidence is gone. So in any any moment that I'm going to be here on tour, it's it's a moment of confidence. You've been playing. What what is driving you at, at this age? What keeps you? Going? Uh, I love winning titles. I do. I love winning titles. I have the ability to win titles, and I have a lot to give. Um, I feel like I have it satisfies me to still play that's important too Venus what does a 36 year old Venus want to tell the, uh, the 14 year old Venus about the journey <sighs> you know a lot of unexpected things will happen but I don't I really don't have any regrets I really don't I've, I've lived exactly how I've wanted to I've tried my hardest every single time. I didn't win the matches that maybe I should have always won, or but I really gave it my all. So that for me is enough. You've been playing so well the last couple of years, and you've even had some of the best Grand Slam results of any player on the WTA tour. After having a few struggles after being diagnosed with Sjogren's years before that, does it give you extra satisfaction to maybe prove some of the detractors and doubters wrong, who maybe looked at you as more of a ceremonial figure? Yeah, I am. Um, I think the greatest satisfaction is being able to live my life on my own terms, which isn't always a given in life, uh, no matter how hard you try or what you think you deserve. Um, and of course, it's it's nice to to be able to to prove that no matter what you go through, that you can still succeed. That's important to me. Um, I don't necessarily need to prove anyone wrong. Yeah, yeah. Do you think Tom Brady has said he wants to play in the NFL till 45? Do you have a number in your head? I guess I go by this? Olympic cycle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I would love to play 2020, and then after that, I don't know. I might, I might try to have some kids, or who knows? <laughs> that could be in the cards. Serena's very active on social media. And a couple of times we've seen her on her Snapchat where she gets you in somewhat private moments. She's always asking, where's your pants? Oh, okay. Sometimes there's a party going on and then you're off in the other room studying. Do you find yourself on your P's and Q's just hiding from her now? Not knowing what she'll be doing next? Yeah, the trust level's gone down. It's really affected our relationship. Yeah, we, we were going to have to get into therapy after those snaps. But uh, I, everybody seems to love it, apparently. So, I don't like pants. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Venus, I wanted to ask a nutrition question. What's yeah. your, um, this is quick, hopefully. What's your, your go-to snack, both healthy snack and cheat snack? 
um, healthy snack, maybe like kale chips or fruit or like a fresh squeezed juice or something like that. A cheese snack. I do like dried cherries. I do like these um, vegan gluten-free donuts at this place across the street from me. They have like these oatmeal cream cookies. And then there's like a, um, a vegan ginger snap cookie I get at Whole Foods. And I'm like, oh. Sometimes I think about it for weeks before I get one. The sneak in late at night, nobody sees you. Get the cookie. Talk about the evolution of Eleven, because there have been some really wonderful designs lately is that uh is it kind of are you are you expanding it always improving always improving trying to uh get to the next level i mean gotta be better than yesterday you uh have any intention of going outside tennis clothing absolutely good yeah thank you venus what do you like about the atmosphere of these kind of events and how that contrasts to let's say the, the majors or the indoor events well, I love South Carolina. I think I could live here. I, I'm not a city girl, is the thing. Where I live is not a big city. So this in particular is, is just a beautiful atmosphere. Like I can take the dog for a walk by the water. And you meet a lot of people and they're all very friendly. So this is just like right up my alley. How special was it to have your dad in Miami? And did it give you some extra motivation to try and win that tournament for him? I know, yeah, everyone was very happy to see him there. I got so many people saying, oh, your dad's here. And what was it like for him to be on the, there on the sidelines? So he loves to, to be there. He watches all the matches and uh, he'll be here this week too. He loves this tournament. Well, that was so exciting. And your questions yeah. were very good. And you were so calm. Thank you. <laughs> 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 I don't really know what else to say to that. I'm, uh, I'm was, I was thinking, like, as I was listening to it, that I, if it were Serena and I were doing the interviewing, I would be like, my voice would be shaking and I'd be sweating and it would just be horrible. The first question was the most nervous I was, but even then it was far less nervous, I guess, because I've done this before now. Like, I've speak, spoken to Rafa before, I've done one on one interviews. But even so, it's it's Venus, right? Like, this is a big deal for me, personally. Right. But I had this strange calm about it. It almost felt like we were, dare I say, pals just kicking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a, a girl can dream. Right. And those three questions, you know, I had them prepared for a long time without even knowing I'd ever get to speak to her. Right. Uh, I kept, I'd be thinking, you know, if I could ask Venus... A, Questions like, what would I ask her? You know, stuff that, A, wouldn't be too personal and would be appropriate for the setting. And also, you know, some lighthearted, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But the one about Serena Snapchatting, like, that is something I really want to know because <laughs> Serena is always just up in her business on Snapchat when Venus doesn't know. <laughs> I am so, and, I'm so glad Venus finally addressed the where are your pants meme. <laughs> Well, she says, you know, I don't like pants. And then that's that. I also, uh, I thought her answer to your first question was interesting about how it's not really important to, to prove anyone wrong. Like, that's not why she's out mm -hmm. here. And I, I can imagine that her sister might give a rather different answer to that question. Or, or maybe, not, and, uh, maybe not articulate it like that, but 
I do think that proving haters wrong is very important to Serena. Yeah, I mean, I knew that Venus would not take that bait. Right. I would have been shocked if Venus said, well, you know what? You are damn right. I <laughs> am proving all them haters wrong. Right. And I am loving it. You know, like, I did not expect her to go that way. But she still gave a very thoughtful answer, which is all you can really hope for. So which other players were at the All Access Hour? Who else did you talk to? There was Madison to start, then Venus. Sam Stozer was there. Kanta was there. Viznina, Burtons, Gavrilova. And uh, I want to say there was one more player that is just escaping me right now. Oh, well, Wozniacki was supposed to be there, but she had scheduling conflicts. So she's supposed to be doing hers tomorrow at some point. Okay. We'll be notified eventually. Uh, but of the people left, of the other people that I spoke to, I was, as always, just infinitely impressed by Sam Stozer. Mm. She's a very impressive woman. You know, she's one of those players who is often mocked because of her, it's such a horrible way to put it, but chokes and mental lapses in matches. Like There are a lot of people who are very unkind to her. And she really is one of the nice ones. <laughs> and <laughs> she looks you in the eye. She's speaking with good volume. You can understand her. She's engaged. She's not just giving throwaway answers. She's giving you an answer and then thinking about it some more and then giving you more on top of that. <laughs> Sam, what's your frame of mind heading into this clay court season? You had an awesome clay court season last year. Mm -hmm. You've done well in the past. Do you come in with more confidence or feeling more pressure? No, I'm not feeling more pressure going into this year. I know that last year I had a, a really great run and played a ton of matches going into the French Open and then um, had another really good result there making the semi. So it's actually just a time of the year where I get really excited to be yeah. playing. And um, I guess I've had four days of practice so far here and I'm feeling pretty good. There's obviously things that you still want to improve and you still get used to your movement and everything else. But um, the more time we spend on it, then the the more you you know you get better at it so um i think th this week here especially it's about trying to find your feet um try and just do everything that you can possible so sometimes it's not going to look good or it's not going to be pretty i've already fell over yesterday and um <laughs> i did but, playing on a thick court for the first well, time there you right go now, so. see it happens to the best of us so um but i, I think you just got to be a little forgiving sometimes your first few matches and just try and scrap through it somehow and and you know do what you can but it's a surface that i feel like my natural game um, matches up really well on. So for me, that's a, a really good feeling and gives me a lot of confidence going into the matches. Do you pay any attention to the points that you'll be defending because you did so well last year? To me, I've never been one to look at the rankings a whole lot or see, okay, I've got 20 points here or 100 mm. points there or whatever's coming off. And um, I know, I, obviously, I've got a stack of points in the next six, seven, eight weeks. Um, but it is what it is. I can't do anything about it. I've just got to try and play as well as I can every single match. And, um, yeah, if I can do that, then I know I'll be able to, you know, hopefully win a, a lot of matches. But, no, I've, I've never gone into a tournament thinking, oh, my God, I have to win it or I've got to make semis to, you know, stay where I am. Even after I won the US Open, I didn't go into the US Open the next year. Saying, oh, my God, I have to win it again, otherwise I'm stuffed. So um, it's, it's just not something that I've ever looked at that way. You know, she's really trying to do her best in press which is you know for somebody who at this stage of her career like she could be entirely jaded by it mm -hmm. 
as well. It's not like she's a super top player anymore. God, that sounds terrible as well. But you, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, she's in her 30s. She's been around. Like It would be within her right to be just damn tired of doing press. And, yeah, or just like phoning a couple of them. you know. But every mm. time I've seen her, she's always been very kind to people. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed her roundtable today. And I asked her about a common question that I asked folks today was whether or not the the surge in players over 30 playing well and winning titles was not just inspiring to them, but allowed them to maybe think differently about the span of their own careers. It seems like 35 is the new 25 mm -hmm. in tennis. Do you look at the success of players like uh, Sveta and Venus and uh, Vesnina a couple weeks ago and think, well, right, mm. I have this many more years ahead of me? Uh, yeah, I think... Um, Obviously, the the age of tennis, men and women, is getting. You can play till you're a lot older now than what maybe they did 10, 15 years ago. Whether there's probably a whole stack of reasons for that, but I think um, for sure, seeing the lights of Sveta doing really well. She's a year younger than me, but um, been out there for a long time. And and like you said, Elena Viznina and um, Venus Serena, they're great role models for that exact reason. So that's something that I wanted to hear from from Sam from from Elena and I asked Madison that as well but she was uh, less engaging about it more so because she's as she said she's still so young she essentially believes she can still do it all and wants to do right. it all as quickly as possible which you know more power to her that's totally fine as well what was Madison like Madison was very eager and engaging how much time do you spend on Twitter looking at comments? Do you kind of take a break while you're midweek during the tournament? Do you say, well, I'm going to give myself five minutes because it's just too much? I don't really make it a thing to go into the comments and look at them. I do have a really great fan base that pretty much messages me every day. So kind of at like the beginning of the day, I'll look at it. At the end of the day, I'll kind of glance through it. But... It really just kind of depends on the day, depends on my mood. If I'm doing nothing, sitting on the couch, it's like, hmm, let's see what we can find today. You know, some questions didn't uh, go as in-depth as I would like, but what I found really interesting from her, I also asked her at one point, what's the thing, because she had talked previously in the round table about how, you know, she's young in response to my previous question, you know, that... You know, she doesn't think of her career, the back end of it, as happening anytime soon. Essentially, that my question didn't really apply <laughs> to her way of thinking right now, you know, which totally fair. Yeah. So I said, you know, since your career, you're in the early stages of your career. Are you are you able to at all reflect on what's the thing that's your most that you're most proud of on or off the court? I would definitely say Fearlessly Girl and doing that. I want to be the best tennis player that I can be, but I also want people to remember me as doing something more than just winning tennis matches. So being able to do that is really special for me. Well, uh, thanks to my podcasting partner for getting all that great stuff from these player interviews. Podcasting and life partner, thank you. <laughs> do people still say that? <laughs> it was a seriously fun day. I woke up really, really nervous because, as always, I felt woefully unprepared. And I got there, and 
it just worked out mm. and it it was it was great also on the the next episode hopefully i'll be able to get uh some audio with some of the tennis twitter folks we had what for the tennis brie on twitter called the for the tennis invitational where we played on one of the courts on site i played clay court tennis for the first time in my life i touched a green clay for the first time in my life it was a it was just a crazy start to my time here in charleston and then followed up today by talking to venus so it's been unreal yeah it's been quite a two days yeah and so hopefully on the next episode i'll be able to get some of those guys on record something and then we can talk about the actual tennis that happened because it's been on twitter and a lot of folks have been asking about it and uh full credit to chad cc smooth 13 he made it happen just way beyond anything we could have reasonably expected for him to do for us and uh it was the four of us we played we didn't even play competitively we just hit the ball around and had a great time so look out for that so we will catch up with you a little bit later in the week uh thanks to everyone for tuning in you can uh you can follow jonathan's charleston happenings on the body serve on twitter uh you'll be posting from your own account right at sportscribe ca yeah i'm trying to to post more from the body serve just to because that's what i'm credentialed here for but mm. definitely from both. check them both out and you'll see all the stuff Okay. And then also also pictures on Instagram at the body serve as well. Yep, you can go look up Venus and Harold today. And you are? And although I'm not in Charleston, I may be tweeting interesting things about like non-tennis things. So follow me at Elliot JMR on Twitter. Two L's, two T's. And uh, hit us up on iTunes, give us a review. And as always, thanks for listening. Till next time. 